Let's give the Lord another hand clap as you're seated. I love you, Pastor Sandoval, but not that much. I'm going to wipe this off. Lord is good, amen. Oh, well, uh, let us turn to First Peter chapter five, and we're going to read a verse seven. You don't have to stand if you don't want to. You can sit. Y'all are up and down quite a bit. Uh, it says, "Casting all your care upon Him." For he cares for you. He cares for you. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit transparent with you and share um, where this came from. So I've been, I have been a little bit frustrated with several things lately. Some natural, some spiritual, some just from myself. Um, and yesterday, um, Bishop talks about kicking the invisible dog. I went into the invisible animal shelter, and I went into every single kennel. I said, come here. I kicked them all. It just, it just built up to a head, and I was just frustrated yesterday. And, of course, the handmaiden of the Lord came to me in the night She came to me, and she's like, what's wrong? You're not being yourself. I said, I know that. <laughs> but I appreciated that she came and talked to me because she is my helpmeet. There are times I do need my wife to talk to me. And there are times, that I think that's a sign of a good relationship when, when you, either one of you are dealing with something, the other one is there to be a strength for you in that time. And so she was a strength to me yesterday. Of course, I didn't tell her that in the moment. She's finding out now. <laughs> but she was a strength to me. She just said, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm just frustrated. There's so many things that are just, just, are just frustrating me. I am, I am the kind of, kind of guy, and I was, I was taught this growing up, that... You don't ask for help until you've made a complete mess of things and ha need somebody to fix it for you. And some of y'all can relate. That's all right. Um, it's okay to ask for help. But I'm, lear I'm learning that, and I'm still, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect. There are times where I let things get to me because I feel like I should be able to fix this. I should be able to put this together. I have the answers. I, look, I, I have a lot of experience in a lot of different things. I should be able to fix this. But there are some times where I have to admit that that is not the case. I don't have the power to fix everything that faces me. And so when she asked me what's wrong, I'm frustrated. Well, have you talked to God about it? said, no, and now it's going to be a little longer before I do. 
I'm giving her a hard time, but I love and appreciate my wife. I really do. Because she was, she was being used of the Lord to just like, what is wrong with you? Come on, wake up. And so from that moment, um, I began to just talk to the Lord, and I was honest with him. And I said, God, what's wrong with me right now is, is I want to fix this. In my strength and in my ability, I want to handle all of these things that are before me. I want to be able to fix it. I want to feel like in some cases, I have the ability to do some things for my family. I want to feel like I have the ability to do this, to do that, to put it all together and say, look, I did a great job. But sometimes that is not God's plan. Because if he allows that to happen, then I'm not going to give him the proper glory for the things I have in my life. There are sometimes God has to let me fail. He has to let me get frustrated so that I can realize I have a need for him so that when he does what I need in my life, I can give him all the glory that's due his name. Sometimes it doesn't come any other way than by getting to that point where you realize, God, I've been a fool. I need you in this moment. There is nothing that I can do. And so the scripture tells us to cast all our cares upon him. For he cares for you. That, that word care, your care, cast your care upon him. That means solicitude. And I had no idea what that meant. Uh, so that means care or concern for something or someone. So you've got to care, you've got a concern for something in your life or someone in your life. But to go a little further, it means a care, especially an anxious care. Something that causes distraction and causes you to be drawn in different directions. So there are different things that all of us have in our lives at this moment that are causing us to be distracted. They are causing us to be drawn in a direction that is not pointing us to God. And that's where the frustration comes in is that we're looking for solutions in a different direction than where God is. And so the scripture's telling us to take all of those cares that are distracting us, that are weighing us down, that are pointing us in the opposite direction of him, and give it to him because he cares for us. And that care, in his case, in the Lord's case, that word cares means uh, that he has interest in us or concern for us. And not in the anxious way like we have concerns for our problems. His concern is that he wants to take care of our problems, but he's waiting for us to tell him what our problem is. Now, my children, my two boys, uh, they're they're tough kids, um, but I have learned their cry. I know when they're really hurt. Joseph doesn't cry unless it's real. Sometimes Benjamin cries and he just wants attention. But I know what that cry is, and I'm like, suck it up, kid. You're fine. But I know when he's really crying. Right, Benji? I know Joseph's cry. When he is truly in need, something happens, and I say, okay, I need to go to him immediately to find out what he needs. But until I hear that cry, I assume that everything is fine with their well-being. But as soon as I hear that cry... I come running to their aid and say, what happened? What can I do to take away this pain? 
But I don't go unless I hear that cry. So there's something with the Lord that he has to hear from us before he can take care of the needs that we have. And so if we back up, let's go to verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So in order for God to take care of the cares, first there has to be a humbling of yourself. And that humbling comes by casting all of your cares upon him. When you get to that point where you realize that you can't do it and you have to give it to him, that casting is literally a throwing. But if I throw something, it's literally, it's leaving my hands. It's no longer in my possession. That's what a throwing is. But a lot of times what we'll do, and when my wife asked me, have you talked to God about it? I said, yeah, of course I have. But what I did is I said, here, God. And I, th- I threw it. I made the throwing motion. I let him know I intended to throw it to him, but I held on to it. And so because of that, God is aware of my need, but there's no humility in that. I'm still telling him, hey, God, I want you to be aware, but my pride says I can fix it still. So until I let go of that, God cannot minister to me in my need. It takes humbling ourselves and calling upon him in order to get his attention. But just like my children, as soon as I I hear that cry, I come running. As soon as the Lord hears a humble cry from his children saying, God, I need you, he comes running because he needs, he wants us to cast those cares. He wants to be able to take care of us. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. In verse 35 through 41, it's a very simple story, but I believe it brings out this principle a little bit. Verse 35 says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, they asked him, Do you not care that we are perishing in the midst of this storm? And he's, he's asleep. No, Jesus had great care for them. That's why he chose them. He cared for them. And he knew, hey, we're going to get in this boat. Jesus wouldn't have gotten in that boat if, if anyone's life was in peril. But he said, well, no, we're going to the other side. His word is true. His word is good. So he said, let's go to the other side. So in the midst of that crossing over, they began to be fearful. But he was calm, just asleep in the boat. Said he even had a pillow. He might have had a blankie. I don't know. He was comfortable. But it wasn't until they came to him and cried out and said, do you not care 
what we're going through right now, that he got up and then said, peace be still. As soon as they called on his name, he arose and took care of the situation. But until then, he let them wonder what was going to happen to them and try to figure out how are we going to make it out of this situation alive. But I love what, what happened after that in verse 41. It said, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? They learned something about him that day by calling on his name. They learned the power that he had. What I'm frustrated with, the things that I've been dealing with, I won't ever know the side of God that can fix those things until I tell him, God, I completely trust you with it, and I give it to you. Only then will I understand how God can fix some of the situations that are going on in my life and how he can bring those answers. I have to call on his name. I've got a couple more minutes. I, I want one more analogy for this. Anybody know what a Rubik's Cube is? Yes, sir. Amen. I hate them. Um, it's, a, it's a cube which has six sides, right? Professor, you know what I'm talking about. This is, this is math related. It has six sides, and on each side there are nine squares, and uh, there are nine squares of the same color on each side. So when you buy it, you get it new, it's all, you know, the colors are all together. Each side is completely whole with one color. And then you scramble it up, and you'll never see it whole again. When you scramble all the sides, then comes the challenge of how do I get this back right? And sometimes in life, it seems like everything is put together and it's packaged just right. But then comes something and scrambles everything up. You say, God, I didn't order an omelet. I don't need things scrambled right now. But when you scramble a Rubik's Cube, there are over 43 quintillion different combinations of where each one of those little square could land on that cube. No, it's not worth it, Bishop. But I was looking at my son's Rubik's Cube last night, and I started messing with it, and uh, I was still kicking invisible dogs, and it was just stress reliever and stuff, but I got the white side complete. And then I said, well, let's see if I can do another color. So I did the blue side, but the blue and the white were not done together. In the past, I think the most I've ever done is three sides complete. But the thing I've learned is that in order to get a complete side, you have to mess up the other sides. And eventually you'll learn the pattern of, of how to do it where it looks like it's all scrambled still and all of a sudden a few turns and bam, it is complete. And so... What, I was, what God was showing me in this, though, and yes, he was speaking to me about the Rubik's Cube, is that there are times in my life where I've got six different problems going on, and I put my hands to it, and I can fix one or two of those issues and think everything's fine, but the other four are still staring me in the face. But I feel better because I was able to do two things. But then when I go to fix some of those other four things that are staring me in the face, I mess up the two I thought I had handled. But it's not until I ask God to say, God, I don't know how to put all of this back together. I'm going to need you to give me the solution 
that everything can go in place the way it's supposed to be without messing things up. If I want to solve that Rubik's Cube, I can go to Google or YouTube and learn how to do it. I can get the solution. But that comes from somebody that already has the knowledge. There are things in my life that I don't have the power to fix. I can only go to the one who has the knowledge of how to put every one of those pieces back in place where it belongs. And until I go to him and give it all to him, I'm not going to see it come back together. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Lord, bless you today.